Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. One of the current topics they talk, we listen. Can you imagine getting into a business or a market where you actually spend a hundred billion plus on a piece of paper? Are you kidding me? It was like a frying pan of a head. I got nothing against CFOs. It was not just the job of a lifetime, it was the job of a thousand lifetimes. few weeks during this holiday period I will be introducing especially for some of the newer listeners I'll be introducing guests um, of Heads Talk from the very first series there were 14 C-suites and I would like to to share snippets of my conversation with them Um, I will have two guests for you in each and we'll introduce them accordingly I want to reshare some of the conversations I had with them because Some of them spurred me on to continue with this, which initially started off as a a filler for the pandemic because we were all in lockdown and and many of our day jobs paused. Okay, uh, this first episode of the Look Back series will be about uh, a couple of KBMG colleagues. Some of you may know that prior to my media career, I I was very much a corporate individual and spent time working for some of the biggest blue chip um, audit firms in the world to include Deloitte & Touche and KPMG. My speciality was outsourcing and offshoring and I worked heavily in contract negotiations and putting together bilateral deals. Back to the episode. Uh, The first one is René Schuster, a former colleague of mine in our KPMG days. He went on to become the CEO of a number of multinationals to include Compact Computer Corporation, Adeco Group, Telefonica Deutschland. Pretty impressive. Uh, René is a great person to know. He's such a driven, successful leader, and that clearly shows in his career to date. The reason why René is the first is because He made me believe I could do this. He lavished me with a lot of support and was generous enough to do two episodes with me. The conversation was not only enlightening, but extremely enjoyable. This episode is titled, Who Fortuitously Rode the Perfect Storm of COVID-19? And here is a snippet of it. Note, the full episode link will be in the notes, in the show notes, so enjoy. I mean, it, it was a perfect storm and it was one of these things where, you know, um, my friends, my colleagues, my family members were either being put on furlough or they were being laid off or um, there was intrepidation and fear all over the place. And there I was sitting on a business that was all of a sudden booming because of this. It was uh, not something that you actually um, feel comfortable about talking about. Mm. But if you look at um, you know, the ability to um, um, extend your range of products and services online, technology is uh, is a key factor and of course <laughs> nobody was going to the high streets nobody was going to the shopping centers but yet people have to pay rent and people have things they need to sell that are sitting in inventory and if you weren't really um, in a position where you could leverage this technology or actually had it up and running you were you were in a really bad place hmm. uh, if I reflect on my telecoms experience you know again what a great business to be in everybody's at home and using the internet um, you, could, you couldn't ask for anything uh, better where consumers and businesses are actually using the bandwidths that you've uh, produced yeah. and created in order to, to make their, their lives work. I think the real 
challenge that I think everybody had, including me, is um, does remote working really work? And, um, and I think that was really put to the test for a lot of people. And that kind of leads me quite nicely onto my next question. And you, you talked about the people around you talking about furlough and downscaling and hibernation and terms like that and closures. We all know these are common terms and, and activities during the, the COVID-19 period. Um, but one of the things that's not widely talked about, which we just touched upon previously, is about the rapid upscaling requirements of many of the businesses due to the sudden increase in demand. Um, as mentioned in the introduction, you have a track record of successful business expansion and rapid growth, but surely this is unprecedented. I know this phrase is overused, but how do you go about growing, um, upscaling a business in these COVID-19 times in the shortest of periods? This will, in some cases, require infrastructure changes, major financial injection, HR maneuvering, I don't know, technological add-ons, etc. Many organizations had to literally grow overnight to meet the expected and exponentially high customer demand. What have you seen that you could share with my audience in this space or just simply talk my audience through um, what that would entail? In particular, how does an organization make this possible and the timescales demanded? I think that's an excellent question and I think a lot of people struggled with it um, wholeheartedly. And uh, again, I just reflect on my own experience. And I mean, the one thing that you need to keep in mind is, um, you know, to have that entrepreneurial spirit. In other words, um, take a risk. Um, pretend, if you can, that the business belongs to you. If you own the business, what would you do? Mm -hmm. How would you service your customers? How would you react quickly? It's times like this where perhaps, you know, this is what makes humans so great. Our ability to innovate, our ability to create, our ability to execute on that um, is the name of the game. This is where you don't hide behind processes. This is not, this is not where you hide behind procedures, uh, which are all very, very important when you've got a stable, predictable economy and, and business and customer behaviors, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, this, this was an extreme situation, which means you had to react quickly. And we all know that when you react quickly, sometimes you make mistakes. And I think that the key here is to be tolerant, is to accept some of these mistakes because it's only through these mistakes that you're going to learn. And there's a lot, a lot of people that have never, ever been through something like this. You know, if you're, if you're a young person under the age of 40, you've never even seen any of this stuff before. You've never seen a dot-com boom and bust. Mm -hmm. You don't have any experience in this stuff. And then, um, so I think the key is this entrepreneurial piece that, that, that I mentioned and the ability to take risks going forward. And then last but not least, um, well, there's two more things that you got to have in the back of your mind. First one is you need to have the money and the cash flow to do the things that you haven't planned for. We all work to budgets. These budgets are allocated. How do you actually take something that you've allocated in a particular budget for something else? And how do you defer that to this situation that we're in now? Mm -hmm. Again, that, that needs agility. That needs command and control that can take decisions and make decisions. Not everybody's comfortable in that kind of a situation and not everybody wants to be in that kind of a situation. So you need to get the leaders of the future um, in the positions to make these real-time calls and decisions. Mm -hmm. And the last piece, and I hope we can talk about this um, a little bit later throughout our broadcast, is um, there is a profound activity that's happening on the back of this pandemic and technology has a big uh, factor to play in it. And that is the change in consumer behavior. We're seeing consumer behavior change like never before. Um, it has been forced upon us, all of us, including business, et cetera. 
but when stability do, does come back, how can we predict which bit of this consumer behavior is actually here to stay for good? The second episode is my recording with Volker Schultz. Both René and Volker were colleagues of mine during my time at KPMG. You'll probably see, especially in the early days of Head's Talk, that a few of my ex-colleagues were gracious enough to appear on the show. I've singled out Volker in this first of the Look Back series because he, as the CEO of Axia, has been a major sponsor of the show and, like René, supported me in continuing with this. Headstock has been quite lucky to have had some great sponsors to include Dow, uh, Boeing, Wipro, KPMG, KPMG UK and KPMG Netherlands, um, a lot of other sort of venture capitalist organisations. Later in 2023, we will spend some time with Axia and talk about the work they do. So please watch out for that. Booker's episode was fascinating. It was titled The Potpourri of Merger and Acquisition Deals in the Pandemic. Please have a listen to this snippet. Again, a good question. Um, winners and losers are, will, will be on both sides. So, so the sellers and the buyers. Uh, in the traditional, what we could call traditional industries, um, i.e. non-tech, uh, both of them will be losing um, because the buyer can't buy the organization, the seller uh, potentially don't want to sell because their valuation is suffering. Mm, mm. Uh, so in the case of LVMH, we see it loses on both sides. You know, mm. Tiffany, uh, for, for instance, suffered very much in the downturn. So their valuation is going down, share price, uh, prices are going down and uh, LVMH don't want to do the deal anymore. So, so we, have, we have losers and as you alluded to, there will be legal challenges um, because uh, you know, pre-deal contracts have been signed, deadlines have been uh, negotiated and deadlines can't be extended. Mm -hmm. um, and again, if I lose, uh, use LVMH as an example, it's, it's uh, the French government even got involved, and and, and shareholders of, of uh, you know um, Tiffany are now, and investors are now going to court. So there are massive legal challenges, um, you know, forced by the pandemic, and and you can see the agenda on both sides. As I said, there are losers mm -hmm. on the selling side and losers on the buying side, and and the investors are sitting in the middle, and and uh, you know the. The sellers want to get the deal done at the high valuations and the buyers don't want to buy it. So, <clears throat> so, so, you're, so you're seeing a, a lot of um, behind the scenes legal challenges um, as a result of this. It's you know, just another thing to add to this pandemic, a, a negative thing. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, on the other hand, every contract can be negotiated um, and, and should be negotiated before you go to court because there, 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 there will be scenarios where both sides you know, can meet in the middle, um, mm -hmm. and and that, that should be that should be uh, you know strategy number one rather than, than playing hardball and go to court. So, mm -hmm. so I think there are still a number of, of deals out there that can be completed even during the pandemic. Well, I actually thought um, when I thought of this question, I, I thought the losers were more on the seller sides as opposed to the buyer sides. So it's interesting that you said that the losers can be on. The, the buying signs. So, and I, I, so I want to, to sort of expand on that um, question. Um, as we talked about with the pandemic, many of the businesses 
we know have hemorrhaged. Um, Organisations are folding, hibernating, downsizing and divesting. Um, it's hit the startup community very badly. Uh, a lot of technical resources, great ideas and niche offerings are disappearing. M&A um, hotspots have emerged out of this. I'm assuming those savvy acquirers, or you know, the buyers I've just mentioned, with very healthy credit facilities, cash flows and positions in the marketplace are seeing this almost like, I don't know, a child entering a sweet shop and picking their preferences based on potential growth, usually those in the digital space as opposed to the old traditional space, and in doing so, being ahead of their competitors who are literally doing a stop check um, still in the mode uh, where they're trying to survive this pandemic um, and actually talking among themselves of what are the next steps. Who's looking at this? Um, what opportunities are you seeing? And um, what are the unexpected situations that are unfolding here? Volker, just talk us through some of this. Yeah, as, as we said uh, um, at the outset, uh, um, you know, big tech and other mm -hmm. tech companies are out there and, and they're, they're fishing. So, so they are, they are inviting their yeah. partners to the dance and, and, and there, are, there are loads of potential deals out there for startups. Um, and, um, you know, there, are there's favorable deals for startups or favorable for the big corporations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, what we see are, are the big corporations and uh, as I said, they're, they're, they are hotspots and, and, uh, in, in these hotspots, valuations go up and uh, we see winners potentially on both sides so on the seller and buyer side mm -hmm. um, but as you, as, as you also mentioned um, we see the flip side where startups are struggling and uh, startups that struggle obviously um, uh, struggle for cash mm -hmm. and that's that's one of the biggest yes. biggest problems that they have yeah. And uh, and savvy investors and savvy um, uh, acquirers will take advantage of that. So uh, so that that's one of the one of the um, issues that startups need to be aware of. You know, so uh, you know, can we can we fend off yeah. those potential, you know, let's call them sharks? Um, <laughs> can we fend fend them off as as long as possible? You know, is, what, what, is, do you, what would you suggest to them? I mean, you know, how. What would you, I don't know, what would a good deal look like for them? They're folding, they're hemorrhaging, they can't survive. Um, elements of their business is very good and, and in the right hands it can go far. What, what, what would you suggest to them in, in terms of the whole, in the old space of merger and acquisitions and management buy-ins and that sort of stuff? Well, what, will you, what, would you, what would you sort of advise them on? Well, it's, 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 it, it, it can go either way. I mean, if, 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 if there is a survival strategy as if, if they if they is you know a silver lining mm -hmm. uh try to survive you know to, uh, you know there, there is debt out there as, as we all know they 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 are you know the governments offer their corona uh, debt um there's venture debt out there so you know that there, there is debt out there that that they can take on if they believe the pandemic is is um you know is is, is a temporary downturn and after the pandemic, they, they, they see growth. Mm -hmm. If, however, there is absolutely no chance, um, you know, you, you can always go through the insolvency. Now, that concludes this episode of the Look Back series. I hope you enjoyed these snippets. And do check out the full original episodes in the show notes.
thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders, and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.